people shouldn't have monkeys as pets, but but they do make very cool and cute YouTube videos when they give monkeys baths. I love it. <laughs> Look them up, guys. Look them up. <laughs> hey there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. So Nick wanted me to surprise him with a movie, and I have done so. And I'm going to reveal said movie to you now, as it is take one, and that's what we do here. Okay. Do you want to start off just by asking me some questions? Yeah. About what you think it is? Okay, is this movie a comedy? Nope. Is it a horror movie? Mm, Yep. It is, okay. Is that the main genre? Nope. Is it a horror comedy? Nope. Is it a sci-fi horror movie? Yeah. A sci-fi horror movie. That's kind of exciting. (laughs) You motherfuckers already know. You clicked on the episode. God damn it. Welcome to episode 62, everybody. But I am at a blank. Just ask some random questions. Think like way outside the box. How do you think Oprah feels about this movie? Yes or no questions, please. <laughs> she probably likes it. Does this movie win any Oscars? Nope. <laughs> Sci-fi horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. It might have actually. I'm, I'm actually not sure. Probably not. All right. If you had to pick my life or this movie, would you get rid of this movie? Nope. <laughs> so you would kill me for this movie nope you're really bad at this and i'm not taking the blame for it this time just random yes or no questions doesn't even have to be related to the movie okay um if we were playing jenga with the main characters would we win nope if we were playing hopscotch nope why not ask another question how recently does this movie come out Nope. Uh, I know. What are you saying? <laughs> Why do you keep saying no? I'm not saying no. <gasps> yes! Oh my god, that we can finally you, do it! Yes! That took you far too long. Yes. Far too long. Yes! <laughs> yes. Uh, I love this movie so much! It took everything in me to not say Ask me yes or no questions because that would have given it away so quickly. I was just like, are you literally just trying to frustrate me? (laughs) That's so good. Uh, This is a movie that we saw together Mm. for the first time, I believe, right? Did we? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Wait. Okay. (laughs) I feel like I remember talking to you about it after the fact for some reason. I might have seen that one alone. Oh, you know what? I think... No, I think maybe we didn't see this one together. Uh-huh. It is not certain. I don't I don't know. I would vote probably not, because I feel like we talked about it after the fact. We have not seen this movie together, but I 
do know that both of us think very highly of it. It's another Jordan Peele movie. Mm-hmm. That's our second one. Yeah, we did Us. Yes. If you listen to the Us one, you get a pretty good vibe that we also really love Get Out. <laughs> so Jordan Peele is like, I love everything that he has anything to do with. He's just fantastic. This movie, man. Oh, well, I was going to say, if you needed to get an idea of like how much we liked it, uh, you should look on our Instagram to see our most recent Halloween costumes. Yes. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about that. We went as the main character of well, he, Jordan was the main character. And I I guess I was a supporting character. <laughs> <laughs> One of many supporting characters. Yeah, no, that's that's how much we appreciated it. And uh, I loved this movie. I can say that I remember it being a slow burn. I remember going into the theater knowing that it was so highly praised and then getting there and kind of waiting for the ball to drop and it took a while for it to happen but it did happen and i do think it's worth it and i had so many mixed emotions throughout the entire movie like there were times when i was really afraid there were times when i genuinely like had to remind myself to breathe because i was so on edge the barn scene oh my god oh my god just there were so many moments like that and even in the beginning we mentioned in a previous episode how I avoided trailers like The Plague for a whole year. Yeah. This was one of those movies that I didn't watch any ounce of trailer at all. So I didn't know what was coming. So those moments that were like... Yeah, I wish I had. I didn't know what to expect, and it was horrifying. But then there were also times when like I felt really heartbroken, and there was sometimes that I was really, really sad. And the varying degrees of emotion that this movie put me through was just beautiful. And I really appreciate Jordan Peele for being able to do that. Because that's what movies should do. They should make you feel. Yeah. And in that regard, this movie was incredibly successful. And I loved it very much. And I, I want to study it now. I want to learn more about it. If you have not seen this movie, like I urge you to. There's a lot to spoil here. I think oh, yeah. this movie like subverts your expectations in a lot of ways. Watch it before you go on our Instagram and look at our Halloween costumes too. Yeah, that's that's very true. At face value... This movie has two incredible actors as the lead characters. Just a joy seeing them on screen. And especially Kiki Palmer. Like, I would watch her do anything. Like, I fucking watch that Password show. Mm -hmm. Like, because she's on it and I fucking love her. the greatest part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Casting is, like, one of the most important parts of a director's job. All three of Jordan Peele's movies have had incredible casts. I don't think that I have ever seen Kiki Palmer play a character like this. Like, obviously, she's very personable and funny in this movie as well. But there's a lot of underlying trauma and drama there. I just wind up really caring about her character and her relationship to Daniel Kaluuya's character. I I think Jordan Peele is easily one of my favorite directors. I hate that so many people... People get their start in horror and then try to like leave it. I really hope that he understands that like he is a horror icon. He's mastering the art of it. Yeah. I don't think that this movie was as well received as the other two. I think it's just as good as them. Honestly, it's just different. 
It's just not as straight up of a horror movie as them. It feels much more uh, sort of actiony, like adventurey kind of. There's there's a, clearly a movie that I could reference, but if someone hasn't seen it, I don't want to spoil it for them. It's a Spielberg movie. Yeah, I have a lot of things that I yeah that I want to say now, but I'm like, we need to save it for take two. And that's what's hard because all of Jordan Peele's movies are shrouded in secrecy like that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, his new movie that comes out Christmas of next year. That will be one I do not watch a single trailer for. I don't want to know yeah. a fucking thing about it. I'm sure inevitably we will learn something about it, but like, <laughs> that's one I just want to completely go in blind to. I will probably do the same. I think there are certain directors that reward you for just going in and just trusting him. You know what I mean? Like your name alone secured my ticket. I'll be there opening day. For sure. I feel like leaving the theater, I also didn't really know where this ranks between his three movies. And I think with some distance, I think it's my favorite of the three. Really? Cool. I, I will want to watch it. Obviously, we're watching it again. To I want to be able to solidify that. I'm not completely sold on that yet. Going back to the performances, I think like normally it would be an annoyance to be presented with an actor that rarely deviates from their mannerisms where it's like to the point where they're playing the same character every single role that they're in and they can't really uh differentiate them and their character normally that would annoy me but with kiki palmer i feel like there's so much of kiki in her character i can't even i should know her name but i don't it's been i've only seen it once it's been forever but we'll know in take two but um, she is so magnetic and so attractive and she plays her part so well. It just seems so natural to her that I just don't care that I'm watching Kiki Palmer because I love her and I love what she brought to the character. Absolutely. And I'm so I'm excited to see her again. I cannot wait. She's she's what I'm looking forward to most. And I think going back to talking about how this was sort of like a horror movie that shifted so much but that by the end of it i was like i'm not so certain that that was a horror movie there were horrific elements that happened to it but in the end this movie is about who the antagonist is and i won't say that just yet um and we'll get more into that in take two but like the antagonist of this movie yeah exactly like we can't i i don't want to say that but i totally get it it breaks your your expectations it breaks your heart yeah and and it is it's a twist and it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm, I'm glad that you got so excited when we revealed what it was and I can't wait to jump in. This is for future Jordan, who is inevitably going to re-listen to this before his take three. Uh, I, one of the things that I don't think I did enough research on is Jordan Peele himself. I kind of want to know more about his transition from comedy to horror. I kind of want to know where that transition was or if like that sort of, twilight zoney horror itch was kind of always there even before he started comedy i would love to know like when that happened who would have thought that he would have started where he started and to pivot the way he did <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. what <laughs> it's impressive yeah not everybody's good at everything but some people are really good at a lot of things and jordan peele is one of those fucking people <laughs> a diagnosis of cancer can be alienating Cancer in a testicle as a young man can be devastating. A testicle is removed, cancer treatments are discussed, and concepts of masculinity and mortality are challenged in ways you never thought possible. I'm Stephen Crocker, a testicular cancer survivor and board member with the Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. 
It Takes Balls is a podcast by and for testicular cancer survivors, patients, and their loved ones. Listen as survivors and medical providers share their stories and give personal insights into facing and treating a testicular cancer diagnosis. Everyone's journey is unique and equally important. Early detection of testicular cancer saves lives. I hope you're ready because it takes balls. Day two. You know what? What? You are my second favorite Jordan. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Probably my. I'm probably my second favorite too. No, there's probably a lot that I put ahead of myself, but I, I don't blame you. That's. that's yeah, I mean one. that's a big compliment. Because. <laughs> I just love that motherfucker, man. He's just so talented. Yeah. I remember just thinking, oh, this guy is so funny. Just watching him when he was just a comedic actor. And now he's the future of horror. And it just makes me so happy (laughs) thinking about that. I wrote some notes and one of them was, I can see Jordan Peele taking Quentin Tarantino's spot as my favorite director if if he continues this way. And if Quentin Tarantino really retires... Then that's going to be like a huge chunk of my life where Quentin Tarantino is not directing anything and Jordan Peele is just churning out hits. So, I mean, yeah. obviously it's a lot to live up to, but he's just batting a thousand for me. I would go <laughs> to war for all three of these movies. <laughs> no, they're fantastic. And I think he's established himself. He's established his style. And I feel like... He also has this sort of online presence where people are trying to dissect everything and all of his choices and stuff. Yeah. Because there's so much and he's just like, I don't know, maybe about the whole thing. And that kind of makes me hesitant about doing a take three on it. But I still think it would be fun. I I don't know. I want to see what's out there. And I feel like with time, there will still be more and more that we discover about these movies. Yeah. I wrote down a bunch of stuff. I wrote down notes too this time. Okay. I like never do that, but I have a whole page and a half worth. I have a lot of really, really good stuff to say, but I want to get the bad stuff out of the way first. There's not many. First thing is I do wish the CGI was a little... You're wrong. Better. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. I'm very sorry. It's a perfect movie. No, I do wish the CGI was a little bit better, not with Jean Jacket, but with the animals. I feel like sometimes with the horses and with Gordy, that was a little bit unbelievable but i guess like i I don't really have a solution to that like it's not really they did what they did i definitely have always noticed gordy i mean there's just the uncanny valley is still there yeah and they can't use chimps but i have seen really impressive monkeys done you know like with planet of the apes and stuff where you do believe it so yeah i could see that yeah and then but when it comes to the horses when are they cgi I think at one point when I don't know if it was Lucky or Ghost was trying to run away, it like hopped over a fence or something. And I was like, oh, oh Ghost looked okay. fake as well or something. I don't remember specifically, but um, it was enough to be like, like Gordy was one. And then I was like, oh, they did it again. But yeah, very, very minor. Jordan is advocating for the use of real life animals <laughs> in all of we're these just, stunts. We're just better CGI. I don't know. I was going to save this till later, but going into this, it really... I side with Jean Jacket. Like I side even even with the first viewing, I was like, this this was a sad movie. It was not some movie of triumph. It was like Yeah, it is kind of sad that it died. It's very sad. Because yeah. it's like a it's a wild animal if we think if we really think about it. And 
And I think at the first viewing, I actually cried over it because I was like, oh my God, this like beautiful creature was doing really nothing wrong. It was just trying to survive. And Wow, what a loser. I really fell for it. And I love Jean Jacket. I dressed up as Jean Jacket for fucking Halloween. <laughs> um, I just, I really, that made me sad because I really am an animal lover and I really don't like the treatment of horses specifically because they just always seem so sad. And I just, I don't know, whether or not they are, they just always seem to be so sad. That's funny that you said that. Oh, wait. Okay. No, you said you have another bad point. You have another bad point before I can get to any of my good stuff. It's not even a bad point. I'm just confused because I feel like the third act gets kind of confusing because everything kind of happens all at once. I guess I'm not clear on what exactly their plan was. I like I know the whole plan was to get the shot. I get that. But like I kind of am confused. Like I get why they made that banner with the flags on it because Jean Jacket doesn't mm-hmm. like the banner and that made it fly away from the banner, right? Like they hooked it up to Lucky and it didn't like it, right? Yeah, and it can't it can't eat it. Right. So So why in the end did Emerald think that she could unleash the the mascot that had a bunch of flag banners on it? I was like, that doesn't make sense to me because doesn't that not like those things? And I don't know I don't know if that was just an oversight or if I'm missing something. I don't know. I think she knew that even if it tried to eat it or to fuck with it, that it wouldn't that it would hurt it. I think that was her plan. Like, honestly, Jean Jacket would either leave it alone or try to consume it and it would hurt it. Yeah. Which is a last ditch effort, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because like, clearly it sense. can't consume anything but like organic yeah. matter. I mean, <laughs> I mean, nothing can like what <laughs> it's an animal like we we wouldn't be able to digest that either. So it makes sense. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. OK. I tried to eat a penny one time. <laughs> I accidentally swallowed a Lego head once and that really scared me. Did you poop it out? I don't I don't remember. <laughs> wow. I don't recall. So it's still inside of you. Maybe. So, like, speaking of horses, though, it just never really occurred to me that all of the precautions that you need to take when you work with horses, they honestly just always seemed really chill to me. Like, (laughs) I guess it's just because they're handled properly when I see them. But, you know, I never actually, I think I've probably ridden a horse like once or twice in my life, but certainly not where I can remember my experience very well. And... You know, like when they're in stables and stuff, they just like they're chilling. Yeah, we smell bad. <laughs> we're big, giant dog looking things. I don't know. I mean, like horses are weird because it's like the only animal that we still like 100% of the time use real horses. Right. I mean, like you mean like in they CGI dogs and cats now. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I, don't know. I just feel like I don't ever see CGI horses aside from like. I guess to to jump over, which makes sense to, to like to do a crazy stunt like that. It'd probably be easier to. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of ghost, why have I never noticed all the name connections to these different things? Like, okay, first off, Daniel Kaluuya's character's name is OJ, and he has a white Bronco. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> Emerald is watching an Oprah episode where they're literally talking about having ruby slippers to clap together. Wow. Or there are a bunch of like twisters in the movie and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like getting carried off to another place. Holy shit. Look at you go. Keep going. Keep going. Say more. Well, okay. (laughs) There's the girl that works with Angel 
and her name is Nessie. And this is a movie about an enigmatic monster creature. Okay. And her name is Nessie, like Lagos Monster. Yeah. And then all of like the biblical references I really liked. Obviously, the Nahum verse at the beginning, which was very unsettling. Like, I, right off at the, right off the bat, I was like, "Oh crap! What are we about to see?" You know, um, I remember being really stoked about that from the get because, like, I always love the introductions to his movies. I always think that they're really cool, and that being part of this one was awesome. Then a bad miracle question. Yep. Right. Huge theme. Exactly. And then the one of the characters' names literally being Angel. And then Jean Jacket winds up looking like a depiction of an angel. Like, have you seen those those drawings that people have done, uh, like the renderings of actual descriptions from, I don't know if it's just from scripture or if it's other historical texts yeah. where people have talked about like seeing angels and they're not like people in halos. Yeah. <laughs> they're like creepy, scary monster creatures. Mm-hmm. Well, at the very end, you know, like uh, Jean Jacket kind of goes into this super angelic looking form and it's just really like for sure i don't know what he's saying but clearly there is a religious through line (laughs) there are a lot of religious references in this movie god i didn't brilliant do we even need to do a take three i mean you you nailed it oh well thanks but i don't i mean i i I can't tell you what any of it means i just (laughs) i just noticed that there was you know a a lot of really like interesting choices of names it never connected any of that. And there's a guy named Antlers, and that I don't know what that means at all, but <laughs> I just love that name. I think the name Antlers is awesome. <laughs> I don't really think it has anything to do with anything, but still. Oh, and you know, one thing I was thinking about, I said, take note of this because I want to talk to you about this. Because the subtitles that I, because I was watching this on television, it's on Prime. I've seen this movie like twice before and for some reason I know the first time I was in the theater second time I like rented it at home though but I don't necessarily remember using these subtitles to do this but like if you know what's going on and you're reading the subtitles it all plays out so smoothly like you you can hear but not really but you can see that uh jupe is giving his little speech to the yeah. To the crowd. Yep. Like when they're out there in the and dark. it's like, wow, I had no fucking clue what he was saying. So like, obviously the first time around, you're like, yeah. I don't know. I can hear somebody going, wah, 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 wah. but that's, <laughs> yeah, same. that's it. Then every time there was like a noise where I thought it was just either the music or wind howling, it's just screaming. <laughs> I'm like, yep. oh, fuck. screaming in distance. Yeah. Or like, or like horse screeches in distance or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, oh, wow. I didn't know that there was any of that. You know, like, I, like I understand what they were going for now. Like, there was the sound plays a very big part in this movie. And as someone, again, who is only now watching it with subtitles and did not pick up on it like it's that's really cool to see that if the first time you were watching it you were reading the subtitles it might make a little bit more sense earlier on yeah because my dumbass this is i'm not proud of this this is probably the biggest negative in the whole movie for me it's reflecting on me not on the movie is that daniel kaluuya says like twice it's not a ship and I'm thinking, like, well, what the fuck is it then? Like, I don't understand. I don't. What is it? What is it? This movie is all about animals. Mm-hmm. All about animals. 
And I'm still like, okay, well then what the fuck is it? Not until he straight up says, it's an animal that I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Like I remember being at that point, like completely like jaw dropped, like, you know, Bruce Willis is dead kind of moment. Like what? You know, <laughs> it is kind of one of those twists where it feels so obvious watching it now. Like it makes a lot of sense, but I would have never once suspected that the first time. I mean, clearly, even after they <laughs> yeah. said it wasn't a ship, it never occurred to me that it was an animal. And it makes so much fucking sense now. I wrote in one of my notes that that one of my favorite parts about this movie is that it has such incredible flow as a story and i feel like stories like this where there's like a conflict but it's happening to a particular group of people or person in a very specific setting it's almost like oh wow that was kind of convenient for this all to happen to this one person who is equipped to deal with whatever problem this is but this in this instance it feels earned that like animal handling trainers are faced with a wild animal and they are the only ones who feel equipped to deal with that. And I feel like that kind of coincidence is earned here. I don't think it doesn't feel cheesy at all. It's in part because it also shows us people that don't know how to handle it. And obviously they, you know, pay the consequences for that. And I think that's what I appreciate about the story too, is that like, it feels earned. It feels natural. It doesn't feel cheesy or forced or anything like that. And it just works. It shows you both sides of the coin because you see two people who are really just trying to push forward in life and be successful, but one of them understands the relationship that you have to have with animals, and one of them was never truly taught that because he survived Gordy, and I guess he thought he was indestructible. Yeah. Or at least that he could enter into an agreement with an animal. And what was so awesome, I remember people asking me like that I watched it with the second time. I watched it with like my parents and my sister and my aunt, uh, just a bunch of people. You know, like what was up with the shoe? And I think that... I asked you that same question too. Oh, okay. I think leaving the theater when I saw it the first time, I was like, I need to know. Like the yeah. shoe was the big mystery the whole time. So I think like my... My best idea for that would have been that it was just some sort of anomaly, but it was what was drawing Jupe's attention so that that was what he was looking at. And not Gordy. And then when Gordy comes up at his face, their eyes are blocked by that little sheet. So he never looks Gordy in the eye. And I think you'd also mentioned something about this theme of of bad miracles, that that's just like kind of like an omen or like a a foreshadowing or a callback to that kind of idea of yeah like something that is crazy and once in a lifetime but it's not necessarily positive in any way exactly well i mean it wound up helping him but it, it in that moment but it taught him the wrong lesson you know i mean i think that clearly he was cashing in on this tragedy that had befallen all of these people it seemed like maybe he felt that Again, that he was maybe untouchable at that point because he had survived that. And I think he said something like, you're chosen, right before he was like muttering to himself, like you're chosen or you're... Yeah. Yeah, yep. okay. I yep. mean... Before the big show, yeah. Exactly. Like, he thinks he is special, but no one is special to an animal unless you... You know what I mean? Like, unless you do the work and 
uh, enter into the agreement with the animal, like they say. So I just think that that's such a brilliant statement to make. And the, the added layer of us being as a culture obsessed with spectacle, and that's their really their whole motivation for trying to figure this thing out is that they know that one of two things are going to happen. Like they'll either be able to catch an image or some sort of proof of this creature or everyone else is going to come get it. So they need to be the first people. So it's like a Overall, it never seemed to be, not up until like the very end, it never seemed to be a like a hunting mission. A lot of people compare this to Jaws, like the last third of the movie feeling a lot like, you know, them setting up to, to hunt Jaws. But it's different in that I think that Bruce uh, comes off a lot worse than Jean Jacket does, even though Jean Jacket probably kills way more people. <laughs> uh, I don't, Jean Jacket is just like miles more uh, sympathetic in my opinion she's just hungry she's got to eat somehow maybe because it's a beautiful giant alien yes <laughs> and i'm afraid of sharks is this a female or i don't want to gender jean jacket but i think they do oh. <laughs> is it a girl I, or a boy i would assume that they do at some point i'm, I'm almost positive that they do and because I, I remember being like oh wow i thought it was a uh, this and then i I, I honestly, I don't remember, but we can Google that as well. True. Yeah. I think I've always just assumed, which I is not good. Which know, did you assume? That Jean Jacket was female. Okay. Maybe it's a guy then. Maybe because maybe I did too. I, again, let's, let, we'll just have to look it up. I'm not sure though. <laughs> and my last little point, this is, uh, this is stupid. At the end, when she says, nobody fucks with Haywood, <laughs> the voice that she does, like, go back and listen to this, guys. Uh, okay, well, first off, you have to have the background of having seen Kiki Palmer do the Angela Bassett voice. Yes. She does. I thought that same thing. Really? I'm so glad that you said that. It is like straight up her <laughs> go-to thing in interviews is to do an Angela Bassett impression. I She's just one of the best person to watch in interviews. She's endlessly charismatic and her attitude is just contagious and she's amazing. And so we watch her all the time and I know she's done. I know I've seen her do that voice 50 times. She's done and, it in front of Angela Bassett before too. Like they, Angela Bassett brought it up in an interview, and she was like, "Let's do it together." That's perfect. And when she said, "No, I fucked with him," I don't, I can't do it, obviously. But <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, that kind of sounds like that." Yeah, that, that was yeah. giving me Angela Bassett vibes. What's the line from the you movie a liar? That she quotes, or you a liar? You a liar? You a liar? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. She is just incredible. She, I think, I think we said this in take one where it's like, she is Kiki Palmer and she plays Kiki Palmer in the movie, but she still makes it like a new character and such a fun, enjoyable character. And she just killed it. Yeah. I love Daniel Kaluuya. The only thing I would ever say about Daniel Kaluuya is that I can hear his accent. I know he's not American. I feel bad because I can like almost always hear it. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I know it and maybe I'm like partially, fulfilling that prophecy for myself does that what is that (laughs) i'm i'm doing it to myself maybe but i love daniel kaluuya and i love that he was in multiple jordan peele movies and i remember thinking like well now fucking uh lupina nyong'o has to be in multiple jordan peele movies too Mm. because she was the star of the second movie he did and uh now i also want kiki palmer to be in multiple I mean, there's no shortage of actors that I think he would do an incredible job with. 
But for some reason, Kiki Palmer just gives off that vibe where she just seems so perfect for something like this, like a a modern, I, I don't even want to call this a horror movie, but you know what I mean. Like it is a scarier movie. She's good at that kind of stuff. You've not seen it, but she's um, in the third season of the Scream television shows. The only season that actually has Ghostface in it. The first two seasons are their own story, and and that that season sucks. Like it's not good. Uh, <laughs> okay. But she is the best fucking part of it. She's so good. I don't doubt that. Yeah, she's killer. I mean, I've I straight up never seen her in. She's the anything. killer. She didn't knock out of the park. Jesus, way to spoil. No, she is not the killer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I was very nervous for her the whole time that she was going to die. I'm not going to say whether or not she does, but I was like, if they kill her, I'm turning this off. Okay, so um, that was that was pretty much all of my notes. I kind of spat them at you. Cool. I have, like, none of this is as profound or insightful as what you just provided me with. Like, Oh, I, shut up. I I'm not said anything. I'm not. I swear to God, I'm not blowing smoke. I, I am, like, so, like, you picked up so much stuff that I never would have even considered, and it felt like research for take three. I'm very impressed, is what I'm saying. Oh, well, okay, well, I'm taking the rest of the episode off. <laughs> okay, should I not continue? You should, but I'm going to take a nap. Oh, take it off, as in, like, okay, you're going to sit out. Okay, fair enough. Um, Cool. So, obviously, this is the second time I watched this. So, watching it from the beginning, I know all of the beats and I know what happens. So, it was very interesting that when OJ is giving the safety meeting before Emerald arrives, he can't, like, he's not looking at anyone. He's kind of, like, looking into the distance or looking down And even in like the whole first act, when he's not talking to either his dad or Emerald, he's not looking at anyone straight in the eye. And I thought that that was interesting. That's not something that I noticed the first time, but obviously the second time that has more meaning. And it kind of plays off like he's just socially awkward. Yeah. And when you watch it again, it's like, oh, this is perfect. You're the perfect person to deal with this shit. Yep. Like, and that's how it, going back to the conversation about how it feels earned, like maybe subconsciously that's just like, we recognize that. And clearly this happened because he knows like instinctually that, you know, that's how you, I don't know, treat predators or someone that you're threatened by. I don't know. Yeah. Having this connection with his sister where, you know, they do the, I'm looking at you thing that I always, I always think of meet the parents when uh, (laughs) they do that. But, um, you know, feeling like that's his really only like true connection because he lost his dad. Like that's his only person that he really can trust Everybody else kind of feels like a predator. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sucks for OJ, but like, I'm sure he'll be fine. (laughs) The guy, they're going to get Oprah money now. Yeah. I also noticed that he is wearing a hat 90% of the movie. And I think that plays into it as well. Yeah. Um, Weird note, but the kid sheriff poster there, like, you know, the the kid sheriff, I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's a TV show or a movie. The posters look like the holes poster, like the movie holes where they're looking down into a hole. I think they're looking into the well in, oh, in the kid sheriff okay. thing. But it looks just it looks just like the Holes movie poster. I don't know why I made that connection, but um, that's that's I can see the Holes movie poster. So that, that makes sense. That's really yeah. cool, and that kind of makes the well even more special because, like, obviously a callback to when she selfie photo bombs those those people right at the beginning that well being a strong reference to why he has all of that to begin with, which is the show. 
It's really cool. I also think, um, you know, the whole praying mantis thing and we're kind of like praying, man, this movie better, you know, work out, you know? I think that that was a, a note that Jordan Peele probably put in there. And and they had ices to serve. There was, I don't know if you caught this. There's a cactus flavored icy. Real talk. That was an actual thing. But maybe it's like, you know, I see. I see, you know, and you're not, you know, it's all about eyes and shit. And, um, wow. Yep. I'm really trying to, like, meet you at your level and I'm failing. Well, you said you brought up the praying mantis biblical <laughs> reference. I think so back when um when this movie started, the whole time in my mind I'm like please don't come off as one of those like annoying interviewers who are interviewing Jordan Peele and being like what did this mean and what did this mean? Like I don't I so desperately don't want Take 3 to turn out that way. So I think I was intentionally trying to find things in the movie to just bullshit you with. Those are stupid. But um no, anyway. that's cool. <laughs> that I honestly the the most scared I was in the entire movie was when that fucking thing came into focus. All three times I've seen it. When Jean Jacket did? No. When the praying mantis came into focus oh, on that camera. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? That was a great jump scare. And what's funny is that, aside from an owl, if you were to kind of describe what the aliens at the, uh, the lasso experience, or whatever the hell it's called, look like, they kind of look like they could be praying mantises. Say that again? The aliens that like we are supposed to think like in, in the shed when it's Juke's kids. The the dress, the costumes. We, yes. Yeah. We're supposed to think I, I have a stuffed animal version of it. I we're supposed to think that those are the aliens at first. I was saying that oh, like Oh, you're saying those look like praying mantises. Yeah, like if they I don't gotcha. if 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 not an owl, I think the closest next thing is like a praying mantis in their face. That's a good point. And Very they're called point. the Watchers, or right, or the isn't that what they? The Watchers or the Seers or some shit like that. Something about visuals. <laughs> see, it's all, all about eyes. looking at shit. It I is. Love it. It's, it's not we see. It's not you see. It's I sees. It's that was very that was a intentional product placement. Speaking of, I have a note here. I don't know if you can see it. Using music at right. No, 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 no. This one. This one. It's a big eye. It's just a big eye, like Jean Jacket. It's just, it's a big eye. It's a floating big eye with a pupil in the middle. And it's like, it's all about vision. Anyway. Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> um, That's a good point. He brought up the SNL sketch and he was bringing up real actors. Yeah. And I know this chimp incident was based or inspired by a real thing, like an actual chimpanzee went crazy on a set and mutilated some people or a person that's a real thing yeah i let's take three material I'll look more into that but i know for sure that it was it like that actually happened in real life i feel like we saw footage of an actual snl skit with like the real actors and i don't know did i dream that or is that sounding familiar to you at all i've never seen it but i have also dreamt about it like i've, <laughs> I've also thought a lot about what that would look like i really wish that they would have gotten like Chris Kattan to at least like just in a shot, like on a television, be jumping around stage or something. Like, what is Chris Kattan doing right now? They did. I, I swear to God, I saw something real. And I don't know if it was just flashbacks to like them making fun of it actually happening in real life. Or if like someone was like, hey, here's that clip that they were referencing in. Nope, I don't remember. I'll look it up and have her prepared for take three. 
I counted them saying the word nope six times. I know they said it at least six times. I might have missed some here and there, but... That's good. I know that at one point the movie, I think he said it was supposed to be like Little Green Men was the title. And I understand like where you would go with that because it has multiple connotations, right? But... Nope is just such an appropriate title. It's such a funny title. It fits so well with all of these just very short titles that he has. Like, get out, us, nope. One of my bosses who is very open about how much he does not watch movies, Uh uh, he's familiar with them. Like, he knows sort of the pop culture um, impact that a lot of movies have. But he never watches any of them. And he brought up to me one day, he was like, have you ever heard that theory that a lot, all of Jordan Peele's movies are just building up to a sentence that you'll have to rearrange <laughs> at some point because they're all so short? I thought that was really funny. Yo, I mean, it straight up, like, he's got, nope, get us out or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. When Angel is talking about the Navy UAP clip, I know that's a real thing. And I would love to look more into that. In What T3. does UAP stand for? I don't know, but I know it, it's an acronym for something. I don't remember what it is. But the when he was talking about how the Navy like had this clip of something. It stands for you a pussy. <laughs> um, it's true. Like it, That actually did happen at some point. Whether or not it's true, I don't know. But they he referenced something that is real. No, that makes sense. Didn't, um, didn't the Blink-182 guy do some shit with a, the Angels and Airways guy, Tom DeLong? Didn't he do some shit with a... With a um, with a UFO or a UAP or whatever they're called now? I have no idea. Are you making a joke right now? No! Oh my god! I, I thought you were the one that told me about this. What are you talking about? I just thought he had, like, come out and done some sort of, like, expose on some sort of UFO. I don't know. Maybe I dreamt that. Maybe that's take three territory as well. I have no idea. I want to give a shout out to uh, Brandon... Perea, I think is his last name. Um, five stars, Angel. Five stars is what Emerald says to him. And I just love my Frosted Tips Prince. I think he's phenomenal. I love him so much. And I think he's great. He is great. I remember how excited you were when you found out he was going to be in this movie. I think that he is obviously very good in everything we've seen him in. However, I I cannot, I cannot get over his character he is so fucking awesome in this movie it's, i just he's adore him there's a clip somewhere of him receiving the news that he got the part from jordan peele and i think it was something like jordan oh maybe i'll link it if i can find it but jordan peele was saying something like yeah we want this character to go in like kind of a different direction and he was kind of leading him on for a while and then he finally revealed somehow that was like we kind of want you to establish that direction. And he was like, wait, wait, I got it. Like what are you talking about? And it was so sweet. And I I love it so much. I'll I'll try to find it and link it for you guys. I just love, like he has such a way of like oversharing. I I just think that that character (laughs) was so funny because like, okay, first off, when he was like you're not going to be able to do it i just love that because i used to work in electronics and i have sold so many people's shit where i'm like oh man like this isn't going to work out for you you're not going to know how to do this (laughs) damn but we don't we didn't even offer anything like what they did so i was just like okay i just gotta forget (laughs) about this move on i guess like go and let god but 
I, I thought that was so funny. He's like, I, I know how to do it, but you're not going to be able to figure it out. <laughs> um, I think the sound design in this is just so top tier. I love that there was really very limited soundtrack and a lot of the scarier or more suspenseful scenes uh, were silent. There was no mm-hmm. music whatsoever, which is really, really, it works really well. And I love that it relied on environmental sounds instead of music. Like or diegetic at least, sounds? Yeah, like like the metal clanging or like... Um, or screaming! Right, exactly. And like, even there were, I think it was the scene when the kids were in the costumes and sneaking up on him. There were these sounds that like, they were on a tempo, like they were on a regular rhythm but they were like environmental sounds that could be explained by, oh, it's just that, you know, gate banging on something. Totally, and that's how I felt about so much of it. Again, because I thought that like the screamings and the whooshings of the wind and stuff could have been parts of the soundtrack as well, especially during that blood shower scene. I'm like, I don't know what I'm hearing until I'm looking down at the screen and it's like, oh, screaming. Okay, holy shit, (laughs) this movie is dark. And the entire Gordy scene not not a lick of music there was yeah, nothing awesome. nothing there at all you mentioned you pointed this out but i just wanted to mention this in case people hadn't noticed but the uh, i think they were called pan panovision cameras that were on the set of gordy like the the big film canisters that were on top of the cameras looked just like the alien costumes that the kids were wearing i thought that was neat one of the quotes that was said during the show that like that the final show where people get sucked up is uh I think it was about the storm and the announcer was like, we're not going to let a few clouds kill our fun tonight. And I was like, ah, that's funny. That's really funny. Uh, Yeah. Speaking of them getting killed, I'll talk more about this in take three, but I saw a behind the scenes feature out of how they did that. And I was like, that's so genius. (laughs) So I'll explain it. Just know that it might take away how upsetting and scary the movie is for you. (laughs) Uh, because honestly, now that I saw it, I was just thinking about that clip mm. instead of, you know, them being sucked up into Jean Jacket. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't as disturbed by that part, which I for me is a good thing because that, that, that scene fucked me up. It really was horrifying, for sure. Uh, we talked about the cactus-flavored Icy's. That was a real thing. Oh, my God. Um, I'm serious. It's like Did the you not notice time that? you brought that up. <laughs> I want to know what a cactus flavored icy tastes like. Uh, so uh, talking about the music again, I think when they did use music, it was at like the perfect times, the blood rain scene. There was just this like cello that was just strumming at different points. Uh, and it worked so beautifully. And I think, yes, so good. I was going to ask you what that instrument was. It was a cello. That I'm sense? almost positive it was a cello. Okay, it sounded yeah. like a cello. I could be wrong, but it's almost, it almost reminded me of his other movies. And I'd be curious to go back to see if he used that in some of the scenes of his other movies. But yeah, it was beautiful. I wrote down, it's a big eye, uh, underlined it. And I feel like it also kind of resembles a, um, a cowboy hat. Totally. Like I think jean jacket, you know, woman of many talents, I guess. I don't remember the actress's name. They said it a couple times. I think it's like Mary Jo something. Uh, It's the actress that played the little sister. Got her face eaten. Yeah. I wrote down Mary Jo drew the short straw because she (laughs) 
not only got mauled by a wild animal, but also got abducted and killed by, you know, a yeah, wild animal. The one so. time she shows up <laughs> yes. to, to support her friend, who has clearly moved on. He's like, my first crush. Well, yeah. now that you have no face, I have a wife, <laughs> I have a wife and children, and she has a face. Uh, and they they brought her and sat her up there. It was like, hey, everybody, look at this deformed lady I used to like. I think God, they that also, was so fucked up. I think at some point eight. after after the blood rain, they even showed her uh, her little wheelchair thing. It's not a yeah, wheelchair, the wheelchair like was the in the fucking roof. They yeah. spit her wheelchair onto the roof. It's Absolutely short straw. That is a very very good point. <laughs> I remember seeing the teaser trailer and being like, "What on earth could yeah. that person possibly be doing in this movie?" Yep. Like, I just had no clue. I mean, I, I honestly, w- the teaser trailer is just everybody looking up and shit. Like, yeah. you don't have any idea what the hell's going on. Two uh, things about that. I will say that the best decision I ever made, I mean, not ever, but like one of the best is uh, not watching the trailers for this movie. Yeah. Because I can, re- like, through the second watch, I can recall the moments when I was like so blown away and so shocked at what I was seeing. And I, I fully appreciate that I did that. I also, this is the second time that Midsummer has come up in my head because I know during the advertising of Midsummer and the promotion, people were asking Ari Aster, like, what is this movie about? And he said, it's a breakup movie. Not once did he say it was a horror. Not once did he say, and it's like, it is a breakup movie. It's not really like horrific things happen, but it's really not like at the end of the day, (laughs) it's about a breakup. And I feel like you could kind of say something similar about this movie where it's like, horrible things happen, but it really is just about trying to tame or defeat or capture this wild animal. And like, you can't say that, but I, I understand what you mean. Like, don't say that because that's a spoiler, but yeah. All right. A spoiler for what? You can say that. I'm just saying he couldn't say that if people asked him what this movie was about. Oh, Jordan Peele, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I yeah, absolutely. No, I, I understand get that. what you mean. But then also uh, you saying that seeing her in the trailer it reminded me of the I don't even know what they called him, but it was like the the super inbred uh, guy in Midsummer who would write down the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The things like he was also featured in the trailer. And we're like, who the fuck is he? Like, why is he in that weird connections? But we could have never drawn either conclusion i think just no, from the trailers no. about these i mean obviously they're really kind of beyond tertiary characters they're not really important <laughs> but but uh, they, they draw that intrigue exactly like they, it's very yeah. like intriguing like okay i i feel bad but like why is this person so misshapen what is a what is a non-offensive <laughs> word to say um shapen's not right <laughs> god damn it you know what i mean yes yes Separate from that, uh, moving forward, I only have a couple left. Uh, I think the costumes deserve uh, some recognition. I think they were great. I love that uh, OJ's costumes were pretty plain, and they that kind of fit his character really, really well. Um, and uh, Emeralds as well. She was always either in really bright clothing, or I think at one point she had a shirt that said Lizard Jesus on it or something like that. Jesus Lizard. Yeah, yeah. And hey, another biblical reference. It, there we go. It's a rock <laughs> band, though. Oh, it's real. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, they're a real. They're a real band. Gotcha. I don't know if this is just from my, you know, experience with movies, or if you brought this up or someone else brought it up. But anytime a movie lays out a plan, when it tells you 
the plan. They're like, they, they do the whole, like before the heist, this is what we're going to do. We're going to show you the map. We're going to show you where everyone's stationed. Yeah. Anytime that that happens, it's almost a guarantee that something is going to go wrong. Yeah, it's not even almost a guarantee. Why on earth would they tell you what they're about to do and then just do that exact thing? That's right. bad storytelling <laughs> if they don't do that. Right. And I just, especially if you see it, we don't see it in this movie, but like, I know that there have been times where they'll like show you visually the plan going successfully. And I'm like, well, okay, then it's not going to go successfully. That's extremely (laughs) obvious. You're not going to show us the same thing twice. They're not going to show us what they just told us either. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. I just think that in this case, the weak link that makes everything go wrong is a, an artist trying like a super obsessed artist trying to get the best shot and sacrificing himself willingly to be able to do that to get the twilight shot and the golden hour crazy fucking brilliant though that is to me that is so funny that is genius and like what a clever way to, to just tie it all up and make room for the super momentous occasion where emerald is uh taking the photo in the well i just i love that so much i think it's funny that you you see the antlers thing but before that you get like another version of that but with someone with much less artistic integrity and they just still cross paths with jean jacket and get fucked up like it does not matter jean jacket who you are if you get (laughs) near it it's gonna eat you yep and yeah that was another thing. That motherfucker on the bike. I remember seeing that in the trailer and being like, what could that possibly be? It's like, <laughs> oh, he's from TMC. Never saw that coming. That was just, that was fucking amazing. Yeah. Love I'm going to tell a little story here. It's I'll make it brief to round this all out. But I made a list of my top 10 movies on Letterboxd. Like of all time? Yeah, of all time. Okay. And it took me a while to establish that top 10. So for a while, it was like seven or eight. And I think both you and Kayleen commented like, this is a top 10 list. Where are the other three? And I think I just put like, for a while, that was kind of nagging at me. And I think I just put a random movie on there to just make it 10. Yeah. And now I don't remember what movie it was. Oh, God, I love all 10 of these. Oh, shit. I might have slapped Away We Go on there. I'm not sure, just to make it 10. When I met you, Away We Go was your favorite movie. It was, yeah. Of all time. It was. That was in 2015. Yeah, but a lot of really good movies have come out since then. And I still love that movie. I guess all of this to say, like, I can now bump out whatever movie that is. And I think Nope might take that place. Is that your favorite Jordan Peele movie? It might be. Ooh, bitch. It might be. I might be just riding off of the high that we, you know, we just watched them. I don't know. But I like, I left that. I feel like everybody does that. But like, yeah, I mean. I left watching that movie like this is a near flawless movie. And I, you know, appreciate the hell out of it. And I'm sure there's lots to learn about it. And it's just great. I just had a fantastic time. Well, good. I'm glad. What's hard for me is that. I feel like all three of his movies are fucking flawless and I would fight people over them. Like I just, I defy you to try to, to point negative in any of his movies. I just (laughs) love them all so much. And again, I I think I said this in take one us is home invasion movie. So like, that's where I'm going to fall more, but 
I think this movie is brilliant. And I know it didn't do as well at the box office. And I know it didn't get as well uh, received uh, critically either. I, I know the numbers, but I don't want to say them until take three because that's like <laughs> what I say. I just, like, I have been paying attention to this movie for so long that I just, I can off the bat tell you it's Rotten Tomato score and it's gross and it's budget. And it has the biggest budget and the smallest gross, which oh, that's a shame. is so upsetting to me. It still made money though, but we'll um we'll go over that and take three. But I just hope that he just never stops taking risks and trying to say something inventive and fresh. You know, it's really hard to come up with a concept that's like completely new. But what he's done is he's combined these really uh, incredible messages with like uh, almost like classic tropes of storytelling, you know? And I just, I think it's brilliant. He's just fucking incredible. I love him. I'm going to do something that I know you hate. I know you hate it when I do this, but I'm going to put something down. You're going to read the book. No, no. There's a book? What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I'm going to put something else down to build this up a little bit, but um, I think about the the blood rain and the house, and I think about other really iconic images from horror. And I'm so excited. I think about like the golden scissors with the red um, suits, and um, like all of these things that are just iconic symbols in horror or really filmmaking in general. And I'm very eager for him to sort of have a collection like Hitchcock had, uh, for him to sort of uh, for his films and those moments to be remembered and maybe repeated and honored in other films. And I feel kind of the same way about like Kubrick. Like I feel like he is very widely celebrated and there's so many symbols and so many um, iconic moments from his movies. And I think back to the carpet from the shining and I see that so often that so many people are like, Oh, we honored the like fun facts. Like this is the pattern from the carpet of the shining. And I'm like, I, I fucking hate that. It is so overdone and so cheesy well, Kubrick danced around in genres. He's not like specifically just a horror filmmaker. Whereas, like if if Jordan Peele does something other than scary, I'm gonna be very sad. Really? Like I just, I yes, I just want. I think okay. I praise Jordan Peele because he's a great filmmaker, not because he's a great horror filmmaker. Like, okay. do you not trust him enough to watch any movie that he comes out with? Yes, I do. Obviously, it would still be good, but like, I am such a fan of horror. I want great horror movies. So Jordan Peele being a very talented horror director is something that I am like salivating at. Like the fact that Ari Aster, like hearing, you know, this, this movie, uh, Bo is afraid does not look scary, but the fact that it is still billed as a horror gives me hope because Midsommar didn't look scary. Uh, so I'm thinking like, Okay, it's still hopefully it's gonna be oh horror because if it's not horror, I'm going to be let down because then we've like lost somebody. I like that he wants to stick with his own projects, and it seems like at least the last time I heard him say anything on the matter, like he wants to keep doing horror. I again, yes, okay, I trust him. Whatever he wants to do, I he's earned you know he's earned my ticket forever. But I just love the idea of a prestige filmmaker who constantly raises the bar and really likes the genre of horror. 
I guess to me, he's already done that. So like, it's great, but I'm a greedy bottom. I want more. I'm not going to, I'm never going to put that in there. You know who Uh, else is a greedy bottom? Jean jacket. She's a flying butthole. Eyes. Cowboy hat. Butthole. See, now you can't take it out because I just made a connection. We both are greedy buttholes. <laughs> you have been laying beautiful golden eggs yep. all episode. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. You're so welcome. Take three. All right. So I told you guys that I've been driving Uber. And today I was like, this story I'm going to tell on the podcast this evening <laughs> because this is funny. Or well, it was funny to me. I don't know how off the wall this actually is, but to me, I was like, okay. So this lady gets in the car and she seems like normal. She gets in and she's like, hey, you know, how you doing? I just have one small request. And I look down and I see that we have like a 35 minute drive, which is like a decent time. I mean, I've driven much longer and much shorter rides, but 35 minutes, you know, that's not a short ride. And she says, I have one request. I just took my migraine medicine. So if you could not drive very fast, <laughs> I would appreciate wow. it. And I'm thinking, because immediately when she says, I just took my migraine medicine, I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll do silent. Like, yeah, no talking. That's great. I would love the peace and quiet. That's wonderful. I'm immediately like, okay, I guess. I'm thinking, like, do you want me to, like, not drive the speed limit? <laughs> I'm, like, genuinely confused. I've had migraines before, but I don't know that I've ever had it in a car. I didn't know that speed exacerbated such a thing. Me neither. So I say, okay, but I can also, and I say this to everybody, I can adjust the air and the music to your liking, just let me know, you know? Because mm-hmm. I want anybody to be as hot or cold as they want to be, and I want them to listen to what they want to listen to. You know, I have Spotify, so we can play anything. So <laughs> she's like, oh, no, no, you listen to whatever you want to, it's just the speed. And I'm like, okay, so I could be blaring music right now, and that would not bother you. <laughs> I didn't, and I wasn't, so I just kept it where it was. And I cut the temperature where it was and I started driving. So I'm driving in the slow lanes because like it's largely interstate. Right. I'm not kidding. Like as I feel like I'm approaching like higher, like 60, 65 miles an hour interstates, I hear her moaning in the back. Like, oh, oh. Passive aggressive. Like, yeah. Like what? (laughs) Like lady, I'm not speeding. Like I am going I would honestly like seek out trucks and then just get behind them because you know how like trucks in the right lane very rarely are going at full speed. And it even right. if they are like staying a far enough distance away from them makes it so that you're not going full speed. I was really trying, you know, <laughs> for all the 35 minutes and she's just moaning. And I'm like I, – because I, I should have asked. Like I, I wanted to ask her like if she was okay, but I did not want to hear what she was going to say <laughs> about how fast I was driving. I really didn't. I'm just going to be silent and I'm going to drop her off. And about halfway through, after she's stopped moaning a little bit, and but I am still on the interstate and I'm still going you know, at appropriate speed, I look in my rearview mirror and I see that she's on her phone like looking at stuff like clicking through her phone. And I'm like – for me, I get really bad motion sickness and like yeah. I can't be on my phone at all. So I'm Same. like, I'm like <laughs> I said, if she says anything about my driving, I'm going to be like, lady, get off of your phone. <laughs> like maybe it's your phone that is exacerbating this migraine that you have rather than my 
appropriately paced driving. I just thought that was so odd to me. I mean, did you finish the trip? Did she give you five stars? No, we are still or? we're still on it. I'm still driving her right now. She's right here. Oh my god. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I finished the trip. <laughs> Well, I mean, I didn't know if there's anything after that. Like, did she, you know, say anything to you at the end? No, no. At the very end, she was like, thank you. Goodbye. Like, she hadn't just been passive aggressively moaning most of the trip. That's so bizarre. Yeah, it was just very like, have a great day. (laughs) So it's been a bit. Take one and take two are full on old now. (laughs) It's been a bit since we recorded. I may sound weird for two reasons. One, I'm on day like 14 of some kind of sinus thing, and it's really pissing me off. So A, pardon my attitude. B, I'm also dog sitting, and I'm in my parents' house right now. So if it sounds a little echoey, it's just because I'm not in my usual space. So that's that. I I think you sound fine, but I guess I won't be able to really tell until I'm editing it. But I probably sound fine too. But we did just get over take two, and I feel like the transition between the two might be a little clearer. I don't know. Yeah, and the fact that you are now a 30-year-old, and you were 29 when we recorded those. We did it before my birthday? Damn. Yeah, bitch. The reason that we've broken is because you went out of town, and then we had like a bunch of birthdays back-to-back. It's just been a, a lot. It has. But we're here. Yeah, we are here. And you didn't notice a thing. Well, I mean, you might have noticed that we've been absent. But uh, take two and take three are very close to each other. Maybe <laughs> there's an ad in between them. I don't remember if I put the ad in between these two or take one and take two. Regardless, we are here. And we are very, very happy to talk about this incredible movie. Tell me about some numbers. I told you guys in take two or maybe take one i don't know but at some point many 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 years ago when we did take one or two um i told you that this movie like underperformed when it comes to jordan peele movies it still made money it's still impressive but it's just not as impressive because you know i had to compare it to us and get out this movie had a 68 million dollar budget and it wound up making overall $172 million, the box office, worldwide box office. Okay. Woof. So not not bad. Like, I mean. It no, made, not by any means. It made a good amount of money. But then when you look at Us and Get Out, which I did, the numbers website, which I fucking love. I love, fuck box office mojo. <laughs> I love the numbers website. It's just thenumbers.com or some shit like that. I'll link it. Where you can literally compare, you can straight up make graphs and shit of any movies. And I'm like, oh, wow. oh, let me do Nope, Us and Get Out. So Us and Get Out came out in March and February, respectively. March 2019, February of 2017, right? So those aren't like the hugest movie going months. Like there are movies that have done well in those months, including both of those movies, Us and Get Out. But Nope opened in july movies in the summer are expected to perform at a certain level and the fact that us and get out made way more than this movie is just a bummer to me like i don't i don't like that us cost 20 million dollars to make and i know i've told you guys this before because we've done us but it it made 256 million dollars right get out only cost 5 million dollars to make and it made 252 million dollars 
I think at one point it was really funny. I think maybe the the numbers have been reported a little differently. There was a, a point in time where like both of those movies made like I mean they're still very close, two hundred fifty two and two hundred fifty six. But I saw numbers where it was like they made the same amount of money. It was nuts. And so you expect Nope to perform at least close to it. And again. 172. I know that Us and Nope were way more polarizing films than Get Out, and so maybe people are, some people are falling off the Jordan Peele train. I mean, it's too early to say. I still think that, like, this man is a fucking future of of cinema, and, you know, we have a lot to look forward to. I, I Hopefully it's just a hiccup and not, like, a, a downward trend. trend. I, I think it would be interesting. I know it's a much different generation in time also money wise like i'd be curious to know how like kubrick or hitchcock's movies trended like if maybe if this is just a pattern of you know sophomore junior senior films i guess i don't know if that's the the right terminology have you ever heard anybody like i know people say sophomore film but i never heard anybody say this is my junior film or my senior film well you just did well, yeah, you're right. Okay. Look at you. That's people know what I mean, even if that's not no, the official. No, 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 I do. I, I like I totally know what you mean, but I just only ever heard the I never even heard freshman <laughs> use, but for some reason people use sophomore. I have heard sophomore from you. That's the only reason I even said that just now is because I know that you've used the phrase sophomore film before. Oh, okay. Um, well look at me. Regardless. Yeah, look at you go. <laughs> um Regardless, I'd be curious to know if like it's just a pattern of um, like maybe even Tarantino's films. Like I would love to know. Oh, there's definitely I mean, there's ebbs and flows. You know, uh, if you if you are fortunate enough to make movies consistently over the course of many, many years, there are going to be ones that hit differently than others. What is so jarring to me is just that this movie is really fucking good and really fucking epic and you would think that being a summer blockbuster would attract more people to it than say something in march or february but we're (laughs) trying december this time because his senior movie comes out in december of 2024 so that's so long i know but it'll be before you know it i'm very excited for it that's gonna be awesome but speaking of downward trends we also have their rotten tomato scores which no get out and Us and Nope are all certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but Get Out has a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes, and Us has a 93, and Nope is at an 83. And mm. here's the thing. That is nothing to scoff at. Like, that's right. still great, right? But they're all so good. Why are they all not? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like this trajectory. I, I'm not trying to just spin this negatively. I'm just pointing this out, okay? It did start at 98, then went to 93, and now went to 83. So, like, I'm hoping that we stay in the 80 to 90 range rather than just going down further. I do think it's an interesting study, though, because if we look at, like, is it due to the fact that we have seen his first two films and we're just blown away by it, and now that's kind of what we expect? Yeah, Like, I wonder, I wonder if... If Nope was his first movie, would it have gotten the same praise and respect that Get Out has? It makes me think about um, Ari Aster. I think we talked about Bo is Afraid in one of the takes. We have seen that since recording those takes. 
And I think both of us kind of left that with like, you know, like we both loved Hereditary and Midsummer, And I think you liked Bo's Afraid much more than I did. But even then, it's like it's his third film. We know what to expect with an Ari Aster film. Well, we thought we knew what to expect. Yeah, yeah, that might be a, uh, a stretch. But, you know, maybe it's just like it's he, he set the bar. And therefore, yeah, even when you meet the bar, it seems maybe less extraordinary than his first film. But I mean, there's still great films, I think. No, absolutely. And it's just important to take Rotten Tomatoes with a grain of salt anyway. I mean, I know we talk about it every episode, but like it is a review aggregator and it really operates on this binary of positive or negative. If your review has more nuance than that, uh, which every review does that's on there. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that all three of these movies, they, they are impressive they are very impressive Rotten Tomatoes scores. Last little thing in my Rotten Tomatoes section, I just wanted to read you the critic's consensus. It says, admirable for its originality and ambition, even when its reach exceeds its grasp. Nope adds Spielbergian spectacle to Jordan Peele's growing arsenal. And so like, I like the first part of that, and I like the last part of that, but when its reach exceeds its grasp... <laughs> Maybe I'm just biased. I feel like he knocked it out of the park. I agree. I was looking for negative reviews to try to find something that I actually agreed with. And I was like, nope, I do not find these issues prevalent in the film. I will say I did some research that made me question some things, some more things in this movie, I should say. But I still, overall, I think it's a masterpiece. Like, there's no question in my mind about that whatsoever. Well, good. So in take one, you asked me if it won any Oscars and I said, nope, but I'm not, it didn't. Like, I don't think this was nominated for any Oscars, was it? No, it wasn't. I don't remember what it was like up against. It should have gotten some sort of recognition when it comes to the cinematography. I do want to talk about that, but we can talk about that later. But I can tell you about the awards and stuff that it, it did win. Sure. I've told you about the Saturn Awards before. They're like the Oscars of genre movies. Okay. They have awards like best science fiction film, best horror film, like things like that. So it won best science fiction film at the Saturn Awards. Hmm. So I don't think I've ever talked to you about this one because they don't come up that often. But there's an awards called the International Film Music Critics Association Awards, right? If Maka? If <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I know uh, that if because I can't believe that you thought oh, that. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> They're apparently seen as the Oscars of film music. They give away oh. awards, even though Oscars obviously gives away awards to the scores of films. Mm -hmm. This is like specifically for music in movies. And their award for best original score for a horror slash thriller film went to Nope. And the guy that composed it, his name is Michael Abels, right? Mm -hmm. And He did all three of Jordan Peele's movies, if I remember correctly. Exactly. I was just about to say that. That is fantastic. Mm -hmm. He scored us and get out. But guess what? He actually just became a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah, this year for an opera that he co-composed. It's called Omar. And I have absolutely... No interest in seeing it, but <laughs> I bet it's great. I'm sure he did a wonderful job. Like knowing that he came from Jordan Peele and has scored some of the best movies and now has won an award for honestly, 
we talked at length about the incredible sound design in this movie and like you wouldn't go see an opera that he created well the sound design is a different thing but but i mean uh, yeah i mean yeah i just i guess i'm just really not like an opera person but i've never been to an opera so i've never tried it how do you know if you've never tried it i love classical music so maybe that's kind of close that's like classical singing to music right sure in a different language although i bet you that this is probably in english because this guy's fingers crossed speaks english it might not be i don't know i don't really know enough about it but way to go omar way to go michael abels uh on your pulitzer prize the only other pulitzer prize winners that i actually know are kendrick lamar and i think i think lemuel miranda won one for hamilton nice I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did. But yeah, Pulitzer Prizes are dope. Way to go. All right, those are the only awards that it won. And he didn't win a Pulitzer Prize for this movie. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> I like. I don't want people to get it twisted. He won for that opera that I'm not going to go see. Were any of his other movies nominated for Oscars? Jordan Peele has four Oscar nominations, and one of them he won. He won for Best Original Screenplay for Get Out, but then he got nominated for Best Picture and Best Director for Get Out as well. Oh, nice. And then he pro- he produced Black Klansman, which got nominated for Best Picture. Oh, gotcha. Okay, nice. I had like a list of things that I mentioned in either Take One or Take Two about what I wanted to research, and I just wanted to kind of go through those. UAP stands for Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena or Aerial Phenomena, in case you were wondering. I know we wondered what that meant. Yeah. Okay, the moment you said UAP, I was like, I I stopped listening because I thought about WAP, 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 Unidentified, what is it? Anomalous Phenomena. So it's like not a flying object, it's an anomalous phenomena. Yep. Got it. There was a chimpanzee attack in real life. Whether or not the Gordy thing was based off of this is unconfirmed, but it's, you know. Was it on like a set? No. So so this woman, from what I remember, had a lot of trauma in her life. I think she lost a son or something, and she adopted this chimpanzee, which kind of became like a local celebrity slash maybe international celebrity of sorts where it was like she dressed it up in human clothes and like really... I would go everywhere with her. Did um, she try to pass it off as her son? No, I don't think it was that. I think that she just, you know, really loved this animal and oh, okay. maybe used the grief that she had from losing her son and put it into loving this chimpanzee. His name was Travis. I think one day the handler's like really good close friend who also saw Travis on a regular basis was going to check on him or something and he kind of went a little bit nuts and mauled her face and i think even uh, wait mauled mauled his mom's face no the friend got it and i think she might have even lost a hand oh my it. god i've seen some images of her on video and it looked like she was missing a hand i could be wrong there but she's seen on oprah she she went public about it I, maybe a couple years after it had happened And was the first time that she had shown herself after the accident. And she was wearing like the veil that... um, She looked like Mary Jo. Right, exactly. So it's, you know, heavily implied that that was the inspiration. But Yeah, um, fascinating. I love that storyline. Like that storyline is not even... You don't even like allude to it in the trailer. Gordy's? Yeah, I just truly had no fucking idea. The only thing you ever see is that 
the hand going through and i didn't know if that was like an <laughs> alien hand honestly yeah. it made me think that like it, it lended credence to the fact that like i definitely thought that this was little people versus you know a big jean jacket a big people yeah yeah and i think that was it's the first scene that you see in the movie is the set and the shoe and i think like even then i, I think i had like a tiny little inkling that it was about aliens and i was like why is that shoe floating like did everyone get abducted did the aliens come down and kill everyone so like it, it's still oh wow yeah wow that's that's clever that was my experience when when watching it love it well i'm sorry to this lady yes about her face i assume she's still alive but i'm glad that i mean did they like kill the monkey yeah it was it was really sad too so she tried to lure him in with his favorite toy, which was a Tickle Me Elmo. She used it to try and like calm him down a little bit. And I read somewhere that she had just recently got a haircut and they think that's why he felt threatened by her is because he didn't really recognize her. Because before then he had been really friendly with her and then he went kind of crazy. And I think she tried to fight back as best she could. And it said somewhere that he took his Elmo, he retreated to his safe space and passed away. And I was like, that is... So fucking sad. Truly tragic. Oh, he just died? He just died. I think it was from the injuries that he sustained when, you know, she was defending himself from the attack. But yeah, and I think that led to a bunch of laws that said that, like, obviously you can't have chimpanzees as pets. So um, that's good, I guess. Yeah. Well, it is good. It is good. I just always think, like, you know, with monkeys that I see, like, online and stuff, I mean, they're small. Yeah, like little capuchins and stuff. Yeah, if one of them came at me, I don't know that I like would take it seriously. Like if he was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think you'd probably be able to defend yourself against a capuchin monkey rather than a like chimpanzee. Yeah. And I think somewhere that I, I read somewhere that the, the laws that were put in place had something to do with the size of the animal rather than the type. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But um, yeah, that's that story. Like, people shouldn't have monkeys as pets, but but they do make very cool and cute YouTube videos when they give monkeys baths. I love it. <laughs> Look them up, guys. Look them up. <laughs> I also talked about wanting to deep dive into Jordan Peele's career and sort of what led to his transition from comedy to horror. And as I'm sure many of you already know, he was most known for uh, starting off on Mad TV and then went on to write and star in his own sketches with his comedy partner, Keegan-Michael Key. It was a show called Key and Peele. And an article I read said that Key and Peele, quote, skewered modern racial issues. Uh, and then according to another article, Jordan Peele said, quote, it started as a fun project. I didn't know it was ever going to get made. He's talking about um, the script of Get Out. He was just kind of writing it. I'd go home, smoke a little bit of weed, and I would write. I would watch this movie in my head, uh, this movie that I wish someone would write for me to watch, and that was it. And I think throughout the process of writing this, he was trying to think of a director that he thought would do this movie justice, and ultimately came to the conclusion that he was the only one who could. So he did. And thank God that he did, because it, I feel like if that had not happened, maybe we would not have us or Nope. Yeah, I mean, he... He is a very brilliant comedian, too, and I love 
how funny all three of his movies are. I love when horror movies are also like laden with comedy. I just feel like you're running the gambit of emotions and it's really cool. I, I think like most of my favorite horror movies are also very comedic as well and he does that so well. And you bringing up Mad TV brought up something in my head that I thought about, I guess, when I was listening to it. Why the hell isn't it a Mad TV sketch? That would have been so cool. That would have been cool, yeah. That would have made me so happy. I mean, like, maybe that's a little bit too on the nose, but I don't know. I still think it's cool. (laughs) It is unclear whether or not this was the direct inspiration again, but Chris Kattan did play a monkey on several SNL sketches called uh, Mr. Peepers. But really, all it involved was just Chris Kattan being a spaz on stage. They were funny. Like, I I didn't think they were anything, like, groundbreaking. But uh, I don't know if that's where he pulled from, but that's, you know, the only evidence that I saw of Chris Kattan doing anything monkey-related on SNL. Do you think maybe that's what you saw? I genuinely think I dreamt it because when I looked it up, it was not in the form that I was expecting. Like I, what I remember for some reason is Chris Kattan playing a monkey in like a birthday party setting. Maybe I just like the two memories of the movie and the SNL sketch like melded into one. I don't know where that went wrong, but yeah, that's that point, I guess. Well, cool. One last thing, and this was a very happy surprise. Um, so this Navy footage that I was talking about in I think the last take. It is real. Some uh, Navy pilots or something were on this mission. They found some floating orbs in the sky. And just recently, the Pentagon declassified those documents. So they're like for public view. Uh And I read an article about them. And I found this passage, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. Some observers were encouraged that the Pentagon's release was a move toward what Tom DeLonge, the former guitarist and singer for Blink-182, called... The Grand Conversation. Yeah, 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 bitch. I genuinely do not remember ever bringing that up to you. I This was news to me. I'm, I don't know if you got confused about where you were this information, or I just blocked it from my memory. But you're absolutely right. Um, Maybe you got men in blacked. I did. I, it, we are in that territory. Who knows? But it says, in 2017, Mr. DeLong and several former government employees founded... To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, a private company that collects and researches documents and materials related to unidentified aerial phenomena. In an emailed statement, Mr. DeLong called the Pentagon's release monumental news that removed doubt around the authenticity of evidence in the public domain. He said that this level of recognition is exactly what is required to eliminate the extreme skepticism surrounded by uh, UAP events. So we can finally move forward to sharing and analyzing reliable data from respected institutions. So he is like in it. He formed his own club to like figure out and try and remove like any kind of mystery surrounding any kind of UAP alien stuff. And yeah, he's in it. Like you, you were absolutely right. Yes, I love it. The lead singer of Blink-182, Changing the Earth. And Angels and Airways, which but is... I See, okay, I believe the Angels and Airways thing. I feel like but Blink-182, I just like... I don't know. I just, I've seen this man's bare ass. So like... You've seen Tom DeLonge's bare ass? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's great to know. <laughs> when are we wrapping this up? <laughs> I told you that I 
hurt something about his ass. Okay, now you go. You know how we talked about the names in Take Two? Yes. I saw a couple of more things that I didn't really pick up on, and I thought they were really interesting. Um, OJ obviously could be a reference to OG Simpson, and I saw someone say that like the media turned a murder case into this lavish spectacle. Mm, yeah, and that was what you know was yep. going to wind up happening. And then Jupiter, like for Jupe, mm-hmm. Jupiter was the Roman king of all gods, and he was the god of the sky. Oh, huh, nice. Also, I couldn't find any sort of agreement on the gender of Jean Jacket, but honestly, <laughs> it's 2023, and I think we're past gender anyway. Jean Jacket clearly is. If anything, I do think that we could and should refer to them as a valiant. <laughs> Perfect. Bam. I'm cool with that. I've seen people point out, and I thought this was neat because I looked up a video of it, and I can include a video of it, or you could just look this word up. Um, okay, so people have pointed out that Jean Jacket's different changes in form seem referential to the vampire squids. It's not a vampire or a squid, but it's a sea creature that is easy to turn itself inside out yeah, to avoid predators and stuff. They are scary. They just eat like, like the remnants of like dead things that kind of fall down to their level of the ocean. So I don't think that they would eat us, but they are very scary looking and I could totally see how they would influence Jean Jacket's appearance. That makes total sense. I also saw in several instances Jordan Peele pulled from anime. Yeah, uh, Evangelion something, something. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah, that is about a bunch of like creatures and they call them angels, I guess. And there's a bunch of different kinds of angels and they're like the antagonists of this anime. I don't know. I'm actually curious to see it, but... One of them specifically, he said he used he used as reference for Jean Jacket, and the picture I saw of it, I was like, really? But still, <laughs> I also saw something that like that also had angels that looked very um, like simplistic in shape, which inspired Jean Jacket's like folded in his butthole look. Yeah, yeah, the butthole look. Their butthole look. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Who's like the ghost? Is it Selena Gomez or Selena Gomez is alive? Thank you. No, no, Demi. Is it Demi Lovato? Demi Lovato is alive as well. They're not ghosts, right? But they do the um, like the ghost hunting thing, and they said something like, "We don't use the term alien because that's derogatory, even to extraterrestrial beings or something." So maybe even alien is not good. Ooh, that's a good point. I think that Demi Lovato has a show yeah. um, about UFOs and shit, too. Yeah, I it's like a ghost. I saw that. Is it ghosts? It's like a ghost hunting show. I, I, oh, thought, I it was, thought it was aliens, but I don't know. I think it's both. I, I think it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just. I'll never watch it. Stuff in don't worry. <laughs> I do like some of Demi Lovato's songs. And when I was a teenager, I liked her show. I don't even remember what it was called, though. I like Selena Gomez more. Speaking of Selena Gomez, I want to watch that murder show. Me too. I watched like a couple of episodes of it, and now it's like, wow, like Meryl Streak is on there. Really? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Only Murders in the Building or something? Yeah, 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 Beach. Yeah, I want to watch that too. 
so you know how it's in the trailer and it's in her um it's sort of like in in the safety discussion that emerald gives the did you know that the first images ever put to i don't remember the thing but it's about they're talking about the the image of the black man on a horse right yeah right okay so um i just wanted to tell you that this is like an actual thing that's real and um it's called animal locomotion plate 626 which is the actual um footage of the the man riding the horse apparently it's a thoroughbred bay mare, and it even seems to be named Annie G. I believe that that is the the name of the horse. We don't know the name of the the man, but we know the name of the freaking horse. I read that too. That they don't know the name of the man, which is well, I think it's um, Haywood. So that that will <laughs> will go with that. Perfect. His name is spelled so stupid, but it's basically like Edward Moybridge. Mm-hmm. But he was a photographer and a pioneer in like early projection of motion pictures. He took that, and I like that for all of the fake history that this movie made. That is an actual real thing. I mean, obviously, we really don't know who this man is, but that that is an actual thing. I think that's really cool that they referenced that. It like fits into the story and the narrative so well. It does. And uh, I don't know if you researched this, but the name, I think it's pronounced Mybridge or something. Um, that's actually, they named the the character that's from TMZ with the mirror helmet. They named that character. They In the credits, his name is something Mybridge or something like that. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know what his name was. That's really cool. That photographer, I remember learning about him in film school. Mm. Like, I don't even remember where, but like, I do, like, I definitely heard that name before. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is really great. It probably, honestly, because of that footage, because that really is like the first images ever laced together like that. I have some behind the scenes slash things you may have missed slash Easter eggs because I love these. A familiar pair of scissors can be seen on Jupe's desk. I don't know if you caught that or not, uh, but on desk, no. on, on Jupe's desk, there's like scissors that are in. Is it a sheath? Is that what it's called? Like a holster kind of thing on his desk. Are you serious? That's awesome. Yeah. And Angel's van has the numbers 1111 on it, <gasps> which is also a callback to, to us. How did I not notice that? That's so cool. It's a li- like... It very well could have been coincidence. I don't know if it was done on purpose, but... No, that's... Well, I mean, eleven eleven is a coincidence. That whole movie is about coincidences, so... You're very right. You're very right. Um, Fry's Electronics, which is where Angel works... Yeah. Uh, it was a real franchise. I did not know this. Did you know this? Uh-huh, I did know that, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, it started in California. It had 34 locations, but it closed all of its stores in 2001 due to COVID. 2001 due to COVID? Yeah. They all closed in 2001. Due to COVID? Like they're not a th- yeah. Wow. Is that hard to believe? Well, yeah, because COVID happened in 2019. Yeah. So I guess it took them two years to really fail. I don't know. It happened 18 years before COVID? What did I say? You said 2001. Jesus. 2021 due to COVID. <laughs> yeah. I was just like. Did I really say that? Yeah. Like oh twice. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> No, I understand. I was just being a dick. But anyway, what's interesting about Fry's is that each location had a theme to it. Like, none of them looked the same. I did not know this. You're, like, nodding your head like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had no idea. And there's just, like, space-themed, right? 
Yeah, so the one that they went to was 1950s science fiction. Uh, it had a UFO crashed into the front of it, which is awesome. That is cool. So neat, and like, how perfect is that? That's great. Uh, in the beginning, when Emerald finally arrives at the film stage, you know, she's late, um, but she enters in this, you know, her excitable way. She's giving her spiel about, you know, the history of her company. And I don't know if you remember, but she's missing one great, like when she's talking about her great, great grandfather, and then uh, OJ has to correct her. Yeah. Apparently later in the film, she's seen talking with OJ at the house. And in the background, you can hear her dad doing the same speech and that's where she learned it from that's right great. we can assume that she just memorized that speech and therefore she's missing that one great which i thought was very a, cute yeah yeah for sure i never would have caught that had i not uh read that jordan peele gave the actors a list of movies to watch to prepare for this movie which included close encounters of the third kind have you seen that one uh-huh oh i have not jaws which you know we've obviously both seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I've not seen. No Country for Old Men, which I've not seen. And Alien, which I have seen. This makes me want to watch all the ones that I haven't seen. So all of them went right to my watch list. That's awesome. Yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is the movie that Steven Spielberg made that deal with George Lucas on. George Lucas wasn't really sure that Star Wars was going to do good at all. And uh, Steven Spielberg was working on Close Encounters and they were expecting, you know, a lot from that. So they swapped like a certain percentage of the other's like, stake in the movie. Oh my God. <laughs> and Steven Spielberg said like that made him so much money. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Damn. Closing Encounters of the Third Kind like didn't do bad, but like, I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars, you know. Is it so. a good movie? Yes. Is it a scary movie? No, it's, it's like an alien kind of. I think that's what made me think it was scary. It's not scary. Huh. It's good, though. Like, I saw it when I was maybe a teenager. Hmm. I liked it. Nice. Also, in this movie, the chapter titles, they all name animals in this movie, like when the, the title cards come up. And all of these animals die in their chapter, except for Lucky. Lucky does not die, I guess. They got lucky. I don't know. That is really cool. I mean, it's not cool. It's sad, but, like, that's interesting. I mean, <laughs> it's true. He, he did get lucky. I love the chapters. You know how I love, I'm like a sucker for breaking yeah. up a film into several chapters. Uh, that made me very happy when they did that. Last thing, uh, Jupe, during his speech to the audience, mentions, uh, he says something like, in one hour, you will have witnessed something spectacular. And at that point in the movie, there's only an hour left. Oh, cool. So I wanted to talk about the cinematography. I remember seeing a video about this a while ago maybe just closer to when the film came out and it's just this it is so cool how they did this crap <laughs> you know this movie takes place largely at nighttime in a mm -hmm. giant open space that it seems damn near impossible that they would be able to light it so if for those of you who don't know and don't want the um what is the word don't want like the illusion shattered i guess mute me for a minute the curtain open yeah all the night scenes are shot during the day. I want to say something about that because I feel like you've mentioned this before. I always get upset when movies do that because most times it's so obvious. Yeah. One of the movies that that happens in is It. In like the very beginning when uh, Georgie's like doing his boat thing, it's so clearly like with the contrast between the shadows and the light, it is so clearly shot during the day and it's like supposed to be rainy and cloudy and it just doesn't look right. 
I never would have guessed that this happened in this movie. They did such a good job of making it actually seem like it was nighttime. Oh, well, good. I'm going to tell you how they did it. Because Hoytman Hoytma, who um, also, I mean, I've talked uh, before about this individual because he's worked with Jordan Peele several times. They basically got two 3D stereo camera rigs, okay? And so basically, like, when you shoot 3D, you have to shoot two different cameras because you're shooting for, like, the right and the left eye, right? So they were able to mount two cameras on there. And one was specifically customized to capture infrared. Oh. And the other is just like a regular camera, right? Okay. And so, and what they said was rather than line them up so that you would, they call it parallax, like 3D parallax, where you would be able to lay these images over each other and create a 3D effect. They found a way to align the cameras so that they were shooting the exact same thing. Wow. So every frame is perfectly overlaid onto the other camera's footage, right? And so that what they did was they just took both images, the infrared image and the regular film image in the daytime, and were able to digitally correct... Uh, like subtract yeah, the infrared? Oh my God. <laughs> and really use the best of both worlds when it comes to the images that they were capturing. That's amazing. It says infrared cameras are sensitive to very specific wavelengths of light, which is why the images they produce are monochromatic. Uh, and so when shooting natural sunlight with infrared cameras with a, a slight contrast boost, the images are brightly lit, but the skies are dark. Wow. When you have the 35 millimeter camera, it picks up like vital color and texture needed for the image. And then you just composite them together in post. That's cool as fuck. That's amazing. Yeah, I was like, what a clever solution to a problem because, yeah, you're shooting in a giant canyon at nighttime. It's like a perfect solution to their problem. The darkness plays a very big part in this film, but what's so cool is the fact that, like, even in those really dark shots, you can see really well. Yeah. It's, like, almost jarring how, like, beautiful and clear these shots are at nighttime. It's, like, night and day, even stupid i had to no that's really really cool and i again i appreciate how seamless it looks like it works really well and it's entirely convincing it's very very cool i fully agree this movie the name of the game is spectacle and jordan peele even mentioned it several times himself he pulled inspiration from movies like king kong or jurassic park about humans and their obsession with spectacle and the notoriety and fame that they get from it and even in the beginning the biblical quote mentions i will cast abominable filth upon you make you vile and make you a spectacle it's completely about one's need to watch the train wreck no matter how horrifying it is we have this urge to like to see and document spectacle. And I think Jean Jacket is a representation of what happens when we do that and how sort of dangerous that can be I think we're in an age where we have cameras in our pockets and literally anything and everything can be documented and published and very much is, I think, in this time, I guess. And I think like it asks the question why we want to record the train wreck so badly. And I think deep down it's this need for recognition or like sort of proof that you were there to experience it. Like 
we have this need to want to be like the first to find something and we want the recognition that comes with that. It's the whole reason Emerald started the mission in the first place. We knew from the very beginning that she was very into like acting and wanted that notoriety and, and fame. And throughout this movie, she wants the money shot. She wants the the Oprah shot um, and she wants recognition for being the first to do that. Jupe also uses this idea to sort of cope with his trauma. Um, he uses Gordy as a way to earn him money for, you know, eager fanatics of the horrific things that happened during the shooting of the show. And he's even assuming that his survival is attributed to him being chosen, like you mentioned before. He has this sort of sense of inflated immortality because of it. And his attempt to create a spectacle with Jean Jacket ends up being his demise. Like that's what kills him, essentially. Antlers, on the other hand, Antlers, what was his last name? Holt. 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 Holst? Maybe. I think it was like Holst or something. I think he's the Hollywood representation of this idea. An article that I read brought up the helicopter accident that happened in 1982, I believe, while filming a Twilight Zone movie that ended up killing two kids. Did you ever hear about that? Oh my God, no. It was something with the pyrotechnics mixed with a helicopter that was in the scene, ended up crashing and killing two young actors. And it was a you know horrifying, obviously, but it was an example of putting your crew at risk in order to get that shot. And, you know, Antler's... That, that is his story. Like he ultimately put the whole mission at risk just because he wanted to get the shot and it, he got killed because of it. And also we see this in the beginning when OJ is trying to give his safety demonstration. No one's taking him seriously. And that, you know, that's all reflected here of, you know, people just wanting to do it to get the shot and not really worrying themselves over consequences. And I think there's a much more literal example that reflects something closer to home, closer like to our level, maybe not so much as a, at a celebrity level, uh, with the arrogance of the TMZ reporter trying to get the gossip, maybe uh, also reflecting the toxicity of you know conspiracy theorists or maybe just social media in general, honestly. I really don't think it's a coincidence that his helmet was a mirror. He too, you know, it got him killed. But I think what makes this interesting, and I'm going to be really sad if this is not the case, but I do think I'm right in this. Jordan Peele does something genius in this movie that I, I don't think there is a single death that is shown on screen in this movie. And I think there could be an argument made for the people that are like in the digestive tract of Jean Jacket. But you don't see uh, OJ Sr. die. You don't really see any of the Gordy's cast die. It's either like obstructed by furniture or it's done off screen and you can only hear it. Yeah. But it's Jordan Peele that's sort of robbing us of that spectacle. Like this whole movie, he spends all this time being like, everyone chases the spectacle and then he doesn't give it to us. Like it's, I thought that that was genius and I couldn't think of any other deaths in the movie that like, I don't know. Like I, I hope I'm not wrong in that. I really, I genuinely don't think there are any deaths that are shown in this movie, but I think that's a really genius thing for him to have done. That really is genius. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like the only thing that you could, well, I, I'll, I'm going to bring that particular point up in, uh, in my last point, but keep going. Um, so now, back in the beginning, I mentioned that the research for this movie kind of made me reconsider some things about it. I think all of this discussion about spectacle and how dangerous it is to chase it or idolize it, it makes me curious about the decision to have allowed Emerald to get the shot in the end. Part of me wonders if that 
should have happened differently. Like, like, yeah, she got the shot, but didn't we just spend this whole movie trying to explain why that's toxic? And the only thing I can think of is that like, they've been through so much to get to this point that that was finally like the, the climax of it all. And it was, but I mean, I still, I don't know. I, part of me wonders if it would have been better if she didn't get the shot. Do you remember the alternate ending for Get Out? No. Instead of... Spoiler alert, I guess. Okay, yeah. Spoiler alert for the end of Get Out. Instead of his friend coming in the um, the TSA car, it's a cop that's come. And, like, he goes oh. to jail for what he's done. And they, they show him, like, at the jail, like, talking through one of those, like, glass... Oh, shit. And they're on the phone and sort of just talking about, like, how... He's just happy that at least he's alive. Done, yeah. yeah, or that they got them and stuff. It is an ending that I think drives home the overall point of the film harder, but it is not a crowd pleaser, not at all. And I hate that. Oh, and your your ending just then, where you were talking about like her not getting it, probably drives home the point of the film harder, but it is not a crowd pleaser. That's a shame because to me that kind of like dismantles everything that you've worked so hard for to establish in this movie. I don't know. Like if we were going to root for anybody to actually achieve that spectacle and capture that spectacle, it's these two. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Just a a thought. I, you know, kind of went into all of this and the more I read about it, the more I was kind of like, well, that doesn't make the ending make sense. But uh, I, I guess I understand what you're saying. One last thing here that stood out to me when watching interviews and analysis of this movie, Jordan Peele said something in one of his interviews that said, Animals to me are integral to horror and horrific images. Uh, I love animals, but they're a real reminder of the existential nightmare of what does it mean to be human? And they're a reminder of how we treat anything that doesn't qualify as human. So there's a very real world horror that animals are trapped in. And I think they probably in some ways symbolize something very bad about us. And that's what my movies are about. And when I saw that or heard that, I recall back to his other movies about how the deer was so important in get out and the rabbits in us and i kind of forgot about that and i'm like oh well that makes this whole theme about predators and animals in this movie make so much more sense and it made me appreciate jean jacket even more and like it made me feel validated in my feelings of being sad for jean jacket i'll say oh absolutely Like, you can tell when the storyteller has compassion for their antagonist. Yeah. And I think Jordan Peele clearly, clearly has compassion for Jean Jacket. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. Uh, This was sort of another behind-the-scenes thing that I don't know how it got lost or rearranged in the list. One of the things that I don't ever think became, like, a clear thought but was always in my subconscious was that, like, why is Jean Jacket just now being a problem? Like, what about Jean Jacket are we missing? Like, how did Jean Jacket survive before this movie? Uh, and that was sort of brought to my mind when I rewatched the beginning of the film and you can hear like a radio broadcast in the beginning and the radio is advertising missing hikers that are in the area. Yeah. That didn't click for me until uh, just rewatching that. And I was like, oh, Jean Jacket been around for a while. And also I'm sure they eat animals or something. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, that's, you know, makes it much scarier and much much more eerie, I suppose. Absolutely. My last little bit is actually not talking about this movie, really. It's talking about a potential 
sequel oh to this movie or the carrying on of this story. What else is there? And I have three little excerpts from different interviews that people have done that I think just lends credence to the fact that I feel like, you know, the doors are open to some regard. Oh my God. Let me guess. It, Jean Jacket has a mom and, and, and she's bigger than Jean Jacket. <laughs> yes, exactly. I knew it. Exactly. No, uh, isn't that a Jaws sequel? That's where I was pulling it from. I think that? so. Yeah. 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 So uh, Jean Jacket designer, uh, the guy's name is John O. DeBerry. That's really funny that that's called, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but like Jean Jacket designer, like he designs Jean Jackets. That's funny. Yeah. Aren't you glad you threw off my groove yep. for that? Continue. No, he, he just suggested that the creature survived its apparent death because he said, and quote, there's a species of jellyfish that's called the immortal jellyfish. Ooh. And he's like, I'm not a movie maker, but if it was me, I would say there would be some interesting opportunity to ask whether we've seen the last of Jean Jacket. I'm like, all right, bitch. Yeah, because like if if he's not an angel and he's not a, you know, a, a vampire squid or whatever, I could see that <laughs> motherfucker looking like a, like a jellyfish and he could have yeah. come out of the sea. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knows? Um <laughs> And another one in an interview with the New York Times, Peel brought up this character that apparently got cut from the film. He's listed on IMDb as nobody. And I, I don't know what that means, but he says the story of that character has yet to be told. I can tell you that, which is another frustrating way of saying I'm glad people are paying attention. I do think that they will get more answers on some of these things in the future. We're not overtelling all of these stories. Oh my god! So like stories I mean, plural that could mean yeah. us or get out. Yeah, I mean like tr- truly like it would make sense just in today's landscape for him to have films that are somewhat connected in some regard. You know what I mean? I mean mm-hmm. we have tons of interconnected universes nowadays. In the last one in this past January, in an interview with Josh Horowitz, Jordan Peele. Uh, mentioned the idea of featuring multiple members of the the species that Jean Jacket is a part of called Oculonimbus. Oh my gosh. Saying that I didn't want to be sort of literal that Jean Jacket or this Oculonimbus species is an angel, but I do think that there is something about where evolution and design collide that leaves doors open that may or may not be answered in the future. And so like... I'm smiling so hard right now that's yeah and like so for him to have said that in this january like after this movie did like how it did for him to still feel that way because like i could see you know somebody maybe having plans for that and then when this movie didn't perform on the level as maybe they had expected maybe that kind of falls by the wayside and i'm not saying that like his next movie is probably going to be a jean jacket sequel (laughs) or like a jean jacket origin story or some shit but like the the idea that you know we could explore that even just that character becoming something that is now in the zeitgeist of film that maybe he could explore in another medium somewhere down the road. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. okay. a comic book or a graphic novel or something like that. Like, I mean, he's multi-talented. So I, I don't think he has to just, just make films to elaborate on these stories. If he wants to, he could do a ton of different things. Would you still follow him if he did? 
Yes. Would you still trust I him? I do. And <laughs> like, okay. So I don't know if I said this in take whatever take. I don't remember again because it was like six months ago when we did take one and take two. It was a while. You trusted that Ari Aster would do, you trusted him no matter what he did. And I said, I do remember saying this, that I hope he sticks with horror. And Bo is afraid of a lot of things, but it is not a horror movie. Mm. Are you glad that you trusted him? Because I'm not. I'm not glad that I trusted him. But also, like... That's the thing. I'm just saying, just stick to what you're good at, gentlemen. (laughs) We want more amazing horror movies and... And I like Bo is Afraid, but like it's not hereditary in Midsummer. You know no, what I mean? You're absolutely And like right. if this fourth movie that Jordan Peele is about to make is another horror movie, it will fit so nicely amongst <laughs> these other three incredible, amazing films. I, that's what I want. That is what I want. So we're done? Yeah, we're done. How do you feel? It's crazy that we're on episode two of this season. <laughs> <laughs> I have... Uh... I've been traveling. I've been sick. It's just not been a great time. But uh, right after we hop off this, we're doing a take one for the next one. So we're moving forward. Yeah, can't wait. Oh, dear God, you guys are not ready for what's coming next. I can tell you that. That means I'm not ready. No, Beach, you're not. If I quit this podcast, would you still do it? You pretty much... Say it. I mean, finish that thought. Say it. You know, you know, you know. I mean, <laughs> hey everybody, thank you all so much for listening to our Nope episode and for your patience during our absence lately. There's a lot to look forward to in season five, and I hope you'll all stay tuned. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Take3AMP and visit our website at Take3AMP.com where you can find all of our episodes. Till next time, happy listening.